Welcome everyone to the gaming couch. Be it video games, card games, or board games, we'll have a good time playing. So come and join me on the couch. This is your host, Smart Boy. Hello. Sorry if it uh, sounds a little off. I'm just... I don't know what it is. Like, the end of the school year is coming around. I'm done teaching for the year, and I find myself incredibly exhausted right now. So it's going to be kind of a low-key, low-energy episode, which isn't bad. It's nice to have those every now and then because you get energetic sometimes, mellow at other times. It balances out, you know. So real quick, I just want to tackle, you know, the big thing that's been on everyone's mind for a bit. You know, E3 just happened, and... Me being the weirdo I am, I've never actually watched anything E3 related, like the conferences, anything. Like, no, I've never been to E3. I've never watched anything online that officially comes from E3. The only information I get out of E3 is just from watching other people's content, like other YouTuber, YouTubers and stuff like that. That's where I get my E3 information from. I just... I don't know. I, I'm I'm a weird person. I like games, but for some reason I'm just not into E3 or the big conventions and stuff like that. I don't know. I just I don't I don't. It was never my place, I guess. Like personally, ah, uh, yeah. but hey, really, there's only like one or two really important things that came out of E3. I mean, Doom Eternal is going to be coming out, which we all knew about, so that's great. Like, don't have to worry about that. Banjo Kazooie coming to Smash. All right, nice. That is awesome. I'm really excited. And now I'm telling myself, okay, I actually need to pick up a Switch now because the list of games on the Switch is growing that I'm actually wanting to get. You know, Super Mario Maker 2 is going to be cool. You know, it'd be nice to get some retro-style Mario levels again. But the big ones, you know, CTR Nitro-Fueled on the Switch. I'm going to want to get that. Cadence of Hyrule, I know, is either released or going to be released. Like, every time I do research on it, it just says release date. 2019 like i never see a date or anything but i know there's been talk around about that you know and now now i want to get smashed because banjo fucking kazooie coming out in fall i i want that that's amazing i love the banjo kazooie series when i was younger and i still love it to this day i will still go back and play the first two games on the n64 like it's it's amazing it's amazing no but even even bigger than that like there was some other stuff going on some indie stuff that was happening but the big one the big, big one was Cyberpunk 2077, which we got teased on a bit ago, a couple of years ago, and now it's coming out full force, and they're telling us coming out April 2020, so about a year from now. And it's it's just amazing to have information on this, one, and two, fucking Keanu Reeves is in it. Like, Keanu Reeves, I, I fanboy over Keanu Reeves for... Not really his acting ability. He's just a great guy. Like, overall, just the story behind Keanu Reeves, like, how he became an actor, his personality, how people talk about him. Like, he's just such a great person on his own, not even including his acting career. He's a great person. And then on top of that, as an actor, he's all right. I like him. Like, I see a couple movies that he's in. It's pretty cool. And now seeing this big name, this is a big star we have, Transitioning over to voice acting in video games for like the first time, I think, for him, it's amazing. And the fact that they they capture his look pretty well in the game. Now, in terms of fanboying over Cyberpunk, 
what's incredibly important here is the character he plays, Johnny Silverhand. If any of you know about Cyberpunk 2020, which is the book the game is based off of, there's some important connections to be made here. So Cyberpunk 2077 takes place in the fictional Night City, which is the very same Night City that was created in the Cyberpunk 2020 rulebook for the tabletop version so many years ago. So that's awesome. They're actually continuing that storyline because in the end of the Cyberpunk 2020 book, they had like a miniaturized little adventure you could do to wet your feet with the whole Cyberpunk world and just kind of understand the mechanics and stuff like that. It was pretty cool. It's a nice little narrative, and it's written as a narrative. And what's really important there is, you know, that they're recreating that world. But two, Johnny Silverhand was the main character, I guess we'll say, in that story arc. But the whole story arc was Johnny Silverhand was trying to rescue his girlfriend from this corporation because they kidnapped her because she was really good with AI and they wanted her to build a certain program, et cetera, et cetera. Chaos ensues. So... You have the same Johnny Silverhand characters coming back and is being put in the game and being portrayed by one of the most beloved actors out there. Holy shit, is this a recipe for just the greatest thing ever? The only drawback I see to this is when you compare the artistic style of the rulebook in Cyberpunk 2020 to the way everything's designed in Cyberpunk 2077, the game, Keanu Reeves' look doesn't really match up with the way Johnny Silverhand is portrayed in the rulebook. So besides just the look, I'm interested to see everything else because we don't we don't catch much of a personality off of Silverhand and Keanu Reeves' performance in the trailer they showed, just saying that he, you know, he wants to burn the city, which if this takes place after the events of Cyberpunk 2020, you know, the, so we'll just say 2020, we'll say 2077 just to make it easier. So the events of 2020, in the end, Johnny's unable to save his girlfriend. In a weird twist kind of thing, she dies, but her subconscious is lost in the net. So she's like indirectly alive online, but Johnny doesn't know that. He just thinks she's dead. So if the events of 2077 happen after that, I could definitely see Johnny going from a rocker boy style, because that's what he's supposed to be, to kind of this anarchist fuck all thing. Because, you know, the guys that run the city, one of the big corporations that kind of runs a lot of things around the city, is the reason why his girlfriend's dead. Like, they're the cause of her death. So I could see him saying fuck all, you know, and, ha- and going from just a normal rebel attitude. That's the entire point of rocker boy is you're kind of a rebel with music. To a full-on anarchist. I could see that. So it's really awesome seeing this development and just fanboying over both the genre and the game itself of 2020. It's awesome to see this attention to detail. Like, yeah, it was. if you go through the rulebook of 2020, which, you know, the 2077 video game is based off of, you'll see the Johnny Silverhand name pop up a lot, like, there's a lot of flavor text and stuff like that from his character and a couple others in the rules and stuff like that. But still, it's nice that they actually recognize that and they potentially are making some sort of continuation of this narrative. I'm feeling it. Like, I already pre-ordered it. I, the second I saw that trailer and I heard that it was up for pre-order, I'm like, fuck it. I went right ahead and pre-ordered it a year in advance. You know, the last time I pre-ordered a game, I want to say, was Dead Space 3, which is a was a major disappointment. So it's nice 
to have this feeling to pre-order a game and actually have good vibes about it and actually be like, yeah, I have full confidence in this game and in CD Projekt Red. I mean, they made the Witcher series, which a lot of people enjoy. And I know one of, because I've never actually beaten Witcher 3 yet. I have it. I played a bit of it, but I've yet to beat it. But I can definitely see some of the things that people like in it. And I can see the fact that they talk about the characters. Like, there, there's a lot of emphasis on certain characters. So I'd say Cyberpunk 2077 being handled by CD Projekt Red is a really good thing. Because one of the biggest things of the punk genre in general, I'll get to that in a second, is the characters. All right? Yeah, there's all this technological mayhem and advancement and AIs, cyborgs, and all this fancy shit. Like, there's always this fancy shit. The Android Netrunner universe, it's kind of cyberpunk. You have all that. You have all the technology. In the end, though, it's the characters. Because every character made in a punk genre is always so unique. I mean, Android Netrunner, I could go down a list, a lengthy list of just all these characters. And yeah, they fill some cliches, like Noise is a bit, you know, he's a he's a sort of a terrorist. He's an anarchist. He's that, that cyber guy, the guy that knows his way around the net. He fills those cliches, but he just feels so unique. Anyway, amongst all these other people that are really good with technology in the Android universe, Noise sticks out. Like, that's one of them. And there's the PI, uh, private investigator Flint. He sticks out. You know, Floyd being an Android. He sticks out. Like, these people stick out out so the fact that 2077 is picking up from 2020 using that same narrative and using the same character and using overall a pretty good actor and a pretty good guy in general you're they're focusing on what's important here it's compared to other things relatively easy to make a game that has flashy technology i mean call of duty did that with advanced warfare they started introducing all this fancy technologies titanfall did that with all their fancy mechs and technology it's easy to splash in the tech mumbo-jumbo. But what about the people that have to interact with it? Because that's what makes the world come alive. That's what makes things pretty neat and pretty believable. The fact that people are interacting. There's some signs thrown at us. It's like, no, this is how the person's interacting with this. how the person's using it. This is what the person thinks. This is what the person feels. You know, a lot of stuff with the punk genres, especially cyberpunk genre, is... A divide, like people that really support the tech, people that don't support the tech, and the middleman stuck just there in the middle. So I'm excited with this pre-order that this game is going to be something big. You got a company that knows how to put some emphasis on story and characters, which is what Cyberpunk's all about. Like Witcher 3 could have been another fantasy adventure. There's so many of them. There's a lot of fantasy adventures, and they're, they're good ones. Definitely don't get me wrong. They're good fantasy adventures. But Witcher 3 could have just been another one of those. But instead, they stuck out. They did something with their story. They did something with their characters to make it stick out. Because, frankly, looking at the RPG style of it, like the leveling up system and all that kind of stuff, is very basic. When you compare it to any other RPG with leveling up mechanics, it's a very simple thing they have going in Witcher 3. So CD Projekt Red stuck it out with the characters in the narrative. So yeah, confidence in what they can do. Granted, if 2077 is a flop and they fail and butcher this hardcore, it's going to be probably the biggest disappointment in gaming history if they fuck this up. This game is either going to be held as a golden standard 
or the worst mistake in gaming history. One or the other. That is that is what I see from this. It's going to be one or the other. It has to be. Because we haven't really seen anything this large scale. Like There are games out there that have the cyberpunk genre, the cyberpunk feel, and the tags for the games, yada, yada, yada. But they're made mostly with smaller companies. That isn't a bad thing. Like I've played a couple of them here and there, but still, there's a smaller feel in it that doesn't get the scope of the full world. You don't experience the full narrative because they're smaller games. They have a smaller scope, a smaller team, yada, yada, yada. So having a game, essentially a AAA game made by a AAA studio, they got the money, they got the manpower, they have the means, yada, yada, yada. For Cyberpunk is great. I cannot think of another time this has happened where a big-name company is taking on a legit Cyberpunk universe-style game. So, yes, this is going to be fantastic or terrible. And, I've, like I said, I've watched some videos, and just from what it sounds like, and I mentioned this in a previous episode, the coming year, the rest of 2019 and 2020... There's a golden age going on here. You know, we have Doom Eternal coming out, which is going to be great. We're having more characters that add to Smash that are more of a callback to older games, like even Dragon Quest is coming in. That's amazing. There are remasters going through. We're getting Cyberpunk. Like, there's so much going into this right now, and a lot of developers are just pushing back in time for these IPs, these ideas. It feels great i think yeah i I, i'm fully confident in saying that the coming year through 2020 is going to be a golden age it's going to be one of the greatest years in gaming that we've had that we haven't seen in a long time like yeah we had the sega genesis and n64 war that happened which a lot of greatness came out of that because these two companies really pushing each other to better themselves so that was a great time and then playstation came out with actual discs that became a staple like after playstation and sony came down and said hey we're putting game on discs much you know easier to maintain easier to store it was a lot better we've carried that for how many years you know playstation was the guys carrying the flag to introduce that at least on the big market like there were other consoles that did two around the same time but in terms of like the big players playstation is the one that comes to mind right away so that's kind of, that was kind of like a golden age back then. We had these companies really pushing each other and making some big strides in technology. We're getting it again at this point. And, and I'm loving it. I'm, I'm really loving it. Like, punk-style gaming, we need more of. And I said punk-style gaming a couple times because I mean two things. Cyberpunk and steampunk. Very similar and also completely different. Simply because of the way the technology works. They're essentially the same because they both deal with some sort of technological advancement, but of different eras. However, I think another big similarity is the characters and the narratives. 100%. I recently picked up a game that was released May 31st, 2019 on Steam. All right, So not that old of a game. Relatively new. Okay, And it's called... You might want to write this down. Seriously, it's a long name. Steam World Quest Hand of... Gilgamech. It's a lengthy name, but it fits. The reason why I'm so enamored by this game, it does a lot of things right in terms of 
just make it a game. All right. It is an RPG style with turn-based combat. So you're adventuring through the world, fighting monsters, stuff like that. And it's turn-based combat. However, it's deck-building combat. So characters level up in it per the use. They get XP, they level up, and they get a stat increase in the level. However, what they can do in combat is based off of cards that you have created that you've created or found in the world to make a deck. So you have up to three heroes in your party. Each hero is allowed to have eight cards belonging to their deck, and then all those cards get mixed into one big deck. So you have 24 cards in your deck total. Now, since each character has eight cards tied to them that make up the deck, you can only use that character to play those cards. So if one of your party members goes down, it's not the fact that just, okay, I have less power to use now because one of my party members is down. A third of my deck is now useless to me because the character who's supposed to use those abilities is dead. So instead of like a standard RPG, just I lose one extra character on my turn, it's no, I could draw out of the six cards I have in my hand, four of them could just be dead drop draws because the person is dead. So I'm loving that. Like I'm loving kind of the mechanic of how combat goes, the fact that you level up and you find equipment to alter your stats, but it's not too heavy on the equipment. You get a weapon and two accessories. All right. So it's simple in terms of that kind of stuff, but that's because they have a number of things that go into making your characters. You have the XP in your level. You have the gear that you find and you buy, and you have the cards. So all that kind of goes together to make the characters. Now, from there, I'm a fan of punk. I'm a fan of cyberpunk, and I'm a fan of steampunk. Just that technology bit, all right? The way things look is amazing. I just love how they put it together. And in the Steam World one, all the characters are robots or machines, all right? So they all look very unique. Like They're all mechanical, but they're very different. And this is where I'm getting into that whole character thing I mentioned before. SteamWorld really stuck with me because I've played a couple other steampunk-style games in the past. But in terms of sticking to it, SteamWorld got me because of the characters. Like I said, the enemies, of course, the enemies will always look very similar. You know, there's a lot of enemies that are just reskins of previous enemies you fought with increased stats and modified defenses and added some new abilities. Okay, standard RPG stuff. Whatever. Characters, though, even though they're all robots, they look completely different. All right? They all have different colors. Like, the two characters start with, red and blue. And then the next guy joins you, he's green. Then you have orange, purple. Like, they have each kind of important person has a different color scheme. All right? And they're built differently. So, yeah, they're all robots, but one of them looks like a knight. The main character, Armelli, she's built like a knight. All right? And then you have an alchemist with you, who's actually a sorcerer. Like... They look the part also, not just being robots, but they look the part. And they all have very unique characteristics. And the dialogue is at times witty and funny. And there's a moment partway through the game where it's a little heartbreaking. The main character has this moment and she just kind of breaks down. That's partially why I love punk genre stuff. Like I said, Android Netrunner. So many great characters. Cyberpunk 2020, with what they created with Johnny Silverhand and the others, made me want to keep reading into it because of what those characters had to say about the various things of the game worlds. And I was SteamWorld Quest, the witty banter. Like, they, there's references made to other games, but it's not one of those, like, fourth-wall-breaking kind of games where they know these other things exist. It's just the devs being funny. And it, it works because it, there can be some cliche lines in there and stuff like that. But it just makes me constantly want to play the game to see what happens next like two big 
character story arcs, all right? So minor spoilers going in here, okay? Just heads up. And I'll remember the timestamp for when I'm done talking about the character story arcs so I can put that in the description so you can skip to that moment, okay? So heads up on minor spoilers here. With two of the characters in their story arc, I already mentioned before Ameli going through this big change, all right? I haven't beaten the game yet, but I've been addicted to it. I've been playing it nonstop the past, like, two days, okay? With Armelli, she starts the game as this very carefree character. She wants to be a hero. Like, one of the things they poke fun at is cliche heroes. There's a whole hero's guild that she wants to be a part of because all the great heroes are a part of it. But even though she does a very heroic thing and rescues all these heroes that got captured, they don't acknowledge it because, like, oh, well, it wasn't an official rescue. You didn't fill out the proper paperwork for it. You know, they kind of, like, poke fun at the whole hero business sort of thing. And they make all the heroes sound kind of lazy. If you ever watch, you know, One Punch Man with kind of they do the whole hero thing in One Punch Man with some of the higher-ranking heroes are just lazy or use the ego to their advantage and stuff like that, it's similar to how the NPC heroes are in this game. But Armelli, she wants to be a hero, so she's always like, okay, let's go on another quest. I have the hero, like, I have the hero's handbook on me, and the hero's handbook says this, let's go do this. Because she idolizes the heroes of the past. The first big hero, Gilgamech, she idolizes. and She wants to be like Gilgamech. She wants to be a big hero. And then plot twist down the road, turns out Gilgamech's actually the main villain of the story. And she discovers that, and then the entire game, she's nonstop talking and energetic. But as soon as she finds out the truth that Gilgamech is now the main villain, for reasons, she breaks down. And she just stops. She just doesn't care anymore. You know, her dialogue goes down to, like, one-word answers and stuff like that. She just does not care anymore because her idol is now the villain, and she's heartbroken. I want to keep playing. I want to see how is she going to handle this because now the entire thing is like, okay, let's go stop Gilgamech. So how is she going to handle that? I'm now really intrigued. And then one of her good friends, Galio, who is a fucking beast. He's a tank medic, all right? In the game, you can build him as a tank or a medic, and it's just – it's fucking amazing. He just – Nonstop, he's an amazing beast. He has a very similar arc around the same time because when they find out that Gilgamesh is a big villain, that's when a lot of characters kind of go through the realizations. So Galio originally does not care about a quest at all. You find him in the village, and they know him. They already know him, and they're just talking a bit like, "Okay, we gotta save the village. The houses are burning. Yada yada yada." And he reluctantly joins them because, well, if the village is on fire. They might burn down my mom's place, and if I can't live in my mom's house anymore, it's no longer free rent. Like, that's his entire motive. I might as well help them because that means I'll save my mom's house so I can keep living rent-free in her basement. That is his, that is his entire motive <laughs> in the beginning, and he's very reluctant. There's a lot of times he comes up with, like, comments like, I'll just wait by the fire. Come get me later. Oh, do we have to keep walking? I don't really want to do this. So he just you, – you're dragging this guy along reluctantly, and then after the big reveal of Gilgamesh – Everyone's just kind of sitting on the fire, just kind of heartbroken, like trying to figure out what to do. And it's just this very quiet moment. And he's like, well, let's get moving. I'm like what? He's like, look, I have been dragged halfway around the world on this adventure, fought so many different things, crazy, you know, crazy professors at the academy, seeing all this crazy stuff. Yeah, he's going like down this list of like shit that's happening in the game. He's like, I'm not letting this guy stop me. He has that realization. He's like, look, I've been this far. I'm going to see this through and finish this out. And damned if you don't join me. He has like that that moment of just taking on the hero role. Now, like, now, now that Armelli, who's kind of been like 
the one that rallies everyone because she's always like, let's charge forward into combat. He's now doing that. He's taking up the mantle from her of saying, fuck it, we're here. Keep going. If we made it this far, we might as well finish this through. And that gives our Melly enough of a reason to continue. She's still coping with the fact that Gilgamesh now the villain, but she's at least saying, okay, yes, he's right. My friends are right. I need to finish this and see this through. All right. So, and just spoilers at this moment. I'll put it in. 2435. That is one of the reasons why I'm enjoying Steam Worlds. Is that narrative bit to it. And in general, a lot of steampunk and cyberpunk related things just have those characters that naturally build off each other. There's something about the genre that really welcomes good narrative and storytelling. That's not saying you can't have other games without good narrative. Like, there's plenty of games out there that have a very strong narrative that aren't punk-related. But there's just that attitude, that feel, that narrative with these characters that drives it. And I, I really only see it in a cyberpunk or steampunk game where the characters are just phenomenal. There are a couple games I played that have phenomenal characters that aren't punk. Like, One Shot, I loved to death, and I love the main character in it. Hellblade Senua Sacrifice, very, very interesting main character and seeing her story go through. But again, it's a small list, and it's just seeing it work in these games is amazing. I think the creators of Cyberpunk 2020 put it right. There's a little blurb at the start of the book that says, what is Cyberpunk? And they say, like, oh, before you actually get into the world of Cyberpunk, let's read this first. And they talk about, like, all this shit that can happen to your character in the game. It's like they say two things. Like it's all about attitude, and what was the other one? Oh, I can't remember the other one because it's just it's attitude. They said like it's all about attitude. Who are you? It's amazing, and when I get the chance to crack down on Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, that is going to be what's keeping me going through this game through the game. Who am I? What character did I make? It's not just another RPG where I did a character generator. You know, I'm playing through it. It's not just I didn't make another shepherd and I'm going through this epic quest. Like, no. Who am I in this world? All right. What am I doing in this world? There's much more focus on the character in these style of games because, as they put it in 2020, it's all about attitude. Yeah, Mass Effect had an impressive three-game-long story arc with the development of your own Shepard, okay? But in the end, your Shepard was still a slave to the main story. And I still felt a lot of things didn't have a big impact. Or, yeah, I'm not, like, I'm doing this because I have to kind of thing. Like, I'm bringing together the, the fate, the all the galaxy, all the aliens all together to fight, like, because I have to. Even though it's still my Shepard, there's still something being forced there. But now, 2077, it's going to be me. I've, I'm looking forward to it, and I really hope they push that. But, like, you do you. Whatever it is you want to do, whoever it is you want to be. I'm not, even, I'm not even talking about, like, the combat or the cybernetics you can get. Just being me. And being me in this world. And I see that kind of in SteamWorld Quest. These characters in this world, and how are they taking these things? Are these heart-wrenching, heartwarming moments in the game? 
of who these characters are and what are they doing while it's going on. It's not so much just being a slave to the narrative. It's them reacting to the narrative and being a part of the narrative. So that's my little quip for the day. I'd say look into it. Look into SteamWorld Quest Hand of Gilgamesh. And if for whatever reason you haven't checked out anything Cyberpunk 2077 related yet, do it. If you're a Witcher 3 fan, check out Cyberpunk 2077. If you're a Cyberpunk fan, check out Witcher 3 because it's the same company. And if you haven't tried either, I'm telling you, just check out 2077. Just kind of look around a bit, read some stuff on it, watch the trailer. Like the cinematic trailer they released a couple days ago that revealed Keanu Reeves is in it. Oh, man, it felt so good. And the tra- like, it's a cinematic trailer, so it doesn't really sh- it doesn't show off anything gameplay-related or anything like that. But it just feels like what the game is going to be. It just feels right. And even when I saw a little, like, they said it was a leak, it was a gameplay footage of the game, like in-game footage. You didn't even really see any combat. Like, it didn't show off really anything flashy with combat or cybernetics or anything like that. It just showed off various characters interacting with you. That's what it's about. That is what it's all about in these worlds, in these punk worlds. It's all about that character. So check out 2077. Check out SteamWorld Quest. I, I can't say it enough. These games are hitting they're hitting a sweet spot for me, and goddamn it does it feel good. So I'm gonna sign off. I'm gonna turn on my fan because goddamn it's hot in my room. I'm just gonna get back to playing SteamWorld. I'm just gonna go right back and keep playing these games and just can't wait for April 2020. It's gonna be magnificent. So take care everybody. Enjoy and stay cool. It's a bit hot by you. <laughs>